Y'all have a seat. Thankful again uh, to our worship team leading us. If you would turn in your Bibles to Acts 18. Acts 18. Just a couple verses that we're going to read this morning. Now, uh, let me be honest. If I were y'all, and you know, I know some of y'all, you kind of you leave here, and you know, the, the main thing that we we think about is uh, oh, elders, or, or maybe it's not even elders. Like uh, uh, Chris got up there, and and David was out, and they're supposed to be elders, or there's this process, uh, or. You know, maybe some of y'all are rewinding, like, well, let me think about something about Chris that, that I knew back when, or, or something about Doc. That's okay. It's okay. We put it out there. Uh, my point being, uh, you know, I, I really raised in church. I know how church rolls. I know how church folks rolls. I, if I, you know, if I had a dime, you know, for every time sitting around the dinner table at my grandmother's house, grandmother, I love you, she listened to my podcast, um, that, that I got like, well, you know, pastor went long today, or, you know, well, you know, that, that so-and-so went to the altar, you know, what's going on in their marriage? I mean, you know, I know the deal. I mean, I know how we, we roll, and I know what we think. Uh, we think programs, we don't call them programs, we think people, uh, who, who's in leadership, who's chairing such and such committee, how can we get him or her out of that committee? I mean, it's unfortunate. It's, it's the way some of us have been brought up. And we don't leave church often enough uh, with a sense uh, of who God is. Who God is. You know, this service, we started off, we talked about what's going on in our life. Kind of announcement, but hey, this is what we've got going on. I shared where we're going. Both of those are good, but, but most importantly, you come to church, you want to get a sense of, who God is, uh, His grandeur, His power, His might, God the Father, uh, God who sent His Son. I was like to say this, you know, before Jesus was named Jesus, He was Son of God uh, in glory, created us. Like, whoa, 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 God created me. John 1, all things created through Jesus. Came down, nailed to a cross, bled, died, rose again. Uh, there, there is no more powerful uh, story. And I, I love good stories. Captivated by books, movies. The greatest story. God, creator of infinite. His flesh died for you. And now there is a, a supernatural, well, I love that word, power of the Holy Spirit in our midst. And so often we don't leave from church the grandeur, the glory, the power of God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's okay. We're broken. We're human. Our world's broken. Our culture's broken. However, that should be not an excuse to try to show, to try to capture what is captivating uh, about God. And, and that's most important. That's most important. So, let's look at Acts. I want to read in uh, chapter 18, verse 24 through 28. We're in this series in Lent called Make It Plain. And we see here in these couple of verses... Some do make it plain. Some don't make it plain. Happens then, happens now. Verse 24, Acts 18 says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the Scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately 
the things concerning Jesus, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. Before I get into this passage, uh, three things. First thing, talk about a person. A person whom I love, I minister to, uh, my wife loves, we minister to. And this person gave us a note this week. And we've been ministering to this person, and the note says simply, I hate myself. I hate myself. Now, uh, we got to talk to this person a little bit more, uh, and, you know, my wife shared that, that she, before she became a Christian, and you can hear her story, she became a Christian at 26, 27, she had those feelings. Call those feelings shame, guilt. Because the person uh, did not feel that, that, they were, that they were good. They were good. They were good enough. And, and I have talked to, counseled multiple people like this who don't say, I hate myself, uh, yet have said things such as, you know, my life is not valuable. Uh, it might be better off if I were not here. Uh, some of y'all have talked to people like that. Some of y'all have felt like that. One of the one big issues we as human beings deal with is shame, guilt. I tell you the story though, not because of the person and so much, not because of shame, because of what it convicted me about. I told my wife, like, I've never felt like that. Like, I've never wanted to write that. I've never felt that. Like, what does that mean? Convicted me of my own pride. Pride. Because for me, my deal is not shame. It's, I'm good. I'm good. I mean, you know, look at my life. I'm, I'm good. Or if I'm not good, I'll, I'll be good. I will change. Uh, I got the willpower. I'll change. Or even, hey, I'll be good. Or I'll be the best. And, and I really think shame or pride, every human being wrestles with one, sometimes both, but we all have one that we, that we wrestle with, shame or pride. The gospel frees us of both. But, but often in the church, let me say this, often in the church uh, we can deal with pride, especially if we've been baptized, you know, if we're going to group regularly. Uh, we'll let our pride even help our shame. Like we'll feel guilty, but hey, I did this. Hey, I did my Bible study this morning. Or, you know, I've got the shame, hey, I went to Wednesday night, you know, not everybody does that, so, you know, I'm actually, you know, getting to be, you know, kind of super Mr. and Miss Christian. Or, hey, I'm leading a group now, wow, or, hey, I'm going to Honduras this year. That's going to make me, you know, Mr. and Miss Christian. And it's not, just so you know. The church in America. Uh, I heard a, uh, a podcast uh, this, this week, I actually listened to it twice, it was so good. You know, it's driving through Texas. God loved Texas. We got some Texans in here, by the Love. I knew it. So I was hoping you were going to be here because love Texas. Dallas, Tamarillo, like nothing 
like the sky. You can listen to many podcasts, trying to keep awake, trying not to have a, you know, just driving. Anyway, so listen to this podcast. It's a guy named John Piper, okay? I like him. Not everybody does. Say this. He, he dropped some, several bombs. But he, Baptist uh, preacher, like Baptist, and he says, you know, the American church is waking up from 350 years of distortion, distortion of dominance and prosperity. You're like, translate that, please. Okay, what he meant was 350 years, basically, since America's been not founded, but like people have been coming here, Puritans. And there's a distortion of dominance, meaning that like if you're a Christian and you go to church, you have a good life. You're, you're a respected citizen. And prosperity. If you're a Christian, we assume things would go well for you. You, you get a better job. You get in better social circles. And his point in this sermon was that often we go to church, we become Christians, because we see the dominance and prosperity that it could lead to in this life And we definitely don't want to suffer for the cause of Christ. And so instead, we either want the the finances or the social mobility or the civic power that church has led to. Now, the point being, and I do believe this, uh, that is dying if not dead. It's not dead in the South, but it's dead in many places in America because watch the news, look at laws being changed. You know, now it's becoming more unacceptable to say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way, that ain't kosher anymore, not at all. But he's saying, so it's awakening that, you know, that's not, that's not who we are, but yet that is what a lot of folks think we are. And in the South particularly, that still exists a bit. One other Baptist, I like this guy, a guy named Russell Moore, he said, I love this quote, you know, in the South, we're really born to be born again. You know, I mean, we're born to be born again. I mean, it's a rite of passage. It's like, you know, you're born, do the deal. Well, you know, walk the dance, walk the walk. And, you know, I always, you know, when I started really kind of growing up uh, last week, but, I mean, growing up, see if you're with me, growing up more in my, my Christian life, it's like, you know, I want to be a real Christian. I always think back to Pinocchio. I love Pinocchio. I love Walt Disney movies. You know, put Pinocchio, I want to be a real boy. And I equate that, I'm just going to laugh, I equate that, you know, he was, he was made of wood. He was made of wood, you know, rickety. That is how some of us, that's the Christian life some of us have. You know, it's, it's wooden, stilted, blah, 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 you know. A real boy of flesh and blood. A real Christian of, of life. Life, I want to be a real Christian. And I think that is what we see a man become here. We see him become, he's living his faith, like, just with wood. It's not real. And you see him get life and give life. So, Apollos. Apollos is this guy. I say those things because Apollos could have dealt with pride. Apollos had success. Apollos viewed his faith as leading to dominance and success. You're like, how do you know that? Look at his life in these first couple verses. Native of Alexandria, just so you know, Alexandria in that day, it was, uh, it was the place of, of learning, of culture. It was a great city. So he was raised in the best schools there. He was knowledgeable. 
And he was, he was passionate and fervent in how he spoke. So I look at this dude. I, I've always envisioned Apollos as like a stud hoss. Okay? I mean, like, I can imagine like, you know, big, booming voice. You know, I imagine like he could have played rugby back then. Not that he did. But you know what I'm saying. But he's also, you know, so well trained and so well educated. So well cultivated and cultured. You know, he can debate. He, ha- he can speak. He's awesome. And so he's rolling with it here. He said he was eloquent, competent, instructed in the way of the Lord, fervent in spirit. So not only was he smart, not only did he have these gifts of eloquence, but he was passionate. And so he believed what he said. And there was something he didn't have. It's interesting to me. It said, though he knew only the baptism of John. Though he knew only the baptism of John. So his past, he's learned He's been given gifts. He has, uh, he's passionate, but he only knows the baptism of John. You're like, what? What is that? The baptism of John, as, as you see in Acts, but you can also see it here today, is something a lot of us, and I've lived this way, a lot of us Christians, it, it's our baptism. You're like, what do you mean? John baptized with repentance. Repent, so you'll be forgiven. Believe in Jesus. But this was like the baptism of the disciples before Acts 2, the Holy Spirit came on them. So it's like, I repent, I believe, I'm good. So let me just use drinking as one uh, example, okay? Uh, you know, I mean, if, you're, you know if, if you don't get drunk every weekend, it's probably good for your life. You know, you probably keep your, I mean, I know they're functional, you know, you, but... You know, better chance to keep your job, better chance to keep your marriage. But let's, let's use drunkenness. So let me just throw it out there. I mean, something that I've had experience with, many have had experience with, uh, not in a long time, I will say that. God freed me from that. However, drunkenness. So you get drunk, you get wasted. Hey, I'm going to repent. Hey, we offer opportunities to come to the altar every Sunday, and you don't have to do it in the worship song. You can come up in communion. So we give, you know, it's like a free pass. You know, I don't have to come up where people be talking about me. Well, I wonder why they came up. You know, they must have, you know, gone wild this weekend. You don't have to. So you come up, get on your knees, forgive me. You know, I'm cleansed. Thursday night, wasted again. Sunday morning, repent again. Not everybody does this. Some do. Some it's every two weeks or three weeks. Okay? You're living by a repentance of John. You're living by a faith of John. Because you're still, I'm good, I'm clean, I can still do what I want, I can still straddle the fence, and, you know, I can come in, I can repent. Hey, I believe. This repentance of John is, it's like salvation by works. Hey, I'm going to clean myself up. I'm going to be good. And guess what? There's no hell in my future, because I believe, and I'm being good. And so Apollo, essentially, he knew the way of the Lord. He was passionate. He was preaching, repent. But there was something that he was missing. Something that he was missing. What was it? And it's something many of us miss. And I love this. You know, this is a great verse. He was speaking boldly, and then Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained the way of God more accurately. I want to meet Apollos in heaven. And I really want to thank him for the example he gives, specifically to preachers, but men and women of God. He, he was corrected. 
he had two people, brother and sister, come to him and say, you're off a little bit, bro. You know, after, after maybe a powerful sermon, you know, blew it out, and then they pulled him aside and said, there's something you're not saying that, that you don't know, and let us show you. And he gives us an example of humility, of, of a leader having humility, of, of receiving and, and that could be hard, of, of listening. And so what was he not sharing? He was not sharing, and he didn't know about life. Life in Christ. Life in the Holy Spirit. That's what many of us don't know. We hear, repent, be saved, and, and you're good. And then you want to try to be good. And then, hey, no hell. The gospel is good news that grace was given first. And, and I think this is what they said to him because of the next verse. And I love this verse. You can easily just glance through this. Don't. It's verse 27. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace believed. If you miss this, you miss everything else. God acts first. God gives grace. It is not what we do. It is not walking down the altar. It is not uh, saying, God, forgive me. Although you should need to hear this. God gives grace first. By grace we're saved. We sing amazing grace. Ephesians 2, by grace through our faith that we believe. But the grace comes first. And it is supernatural and it is powerful and it comes down on a church just as it did in Acts 2 by the Holy Spirit. And this is what Apollos was missing. He was saying, you know, Repent and do good. Baptism of John. Believe in Jesus, yes, but do good. And they're saying, there's grace. There's the Holy Spirit. Repentance should lead to revival and should lead to resurrection. Okay? And when we're just doing the, we're just doing the song and dance and we're like, man, I'm good. I'll be good. I'll get good. It's not about God's grace. It's about our effort. And our work. And it's just repentance. When it's about God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit, there's true life change. Repentance then leads to revival, then leads to resurrection. If you're here and you're one of man, I'm repenting every Sunday, I'm coming in, I'm coming to church, I'm trying to do good. You're probably living on the baptism of John and not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let me clear this up for you and we'll close. You, uh, you live on the baptism of John Your church, you think most about programs, my deal, I mean, that, that's my baby. Who's the leader? Who's there? How they come, they came to church today. Hey, that family came, they'd be great here. How many? Your church, because it's effort, it's, it's efforts. When it's his church, you see grace in people by the Holy Spirit. There is sacrificial giving. Let me say there's sacrificial giving, like, like it hurts taking time. It hurts, but yet it's a joy. And giving of resources, there's sacrificial giving, and it's a joy. Uh, there is forgiving uh, easily, and, and there is the supernatural. In his church. 
And there, there's a distinct difference between those two churches. But it's by His grace, it's grace, it's a gift. It gives you joy. You want to love Jesus. You, you want to come, to, you want to pour out your heart. You want to love Him. You want to grow. It's joyful. It's not duty. It's not about growing your church. It's about growing His kingdom. Give one other example. When it's your life, look, and this is something I struggle with, so preach it to myself here. It's your life. It is. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Or I'll be good. I'll be good this week. I'll be good this week. Or I'll get good at some point. I'm good. I'll be good. I'll get good. Or when it's his life. When it's his life, he is good. He is good. There's a song we sing. I was thinking about this in the sermon. You know, I sing it all the time and it never commit me. He is good, he is good, and there's nothing good in me. We've sang it here countless of Sundays. I was like, wow, that's kind of hard stuff. He is good, he is good, and there's nothing good in me. I sing that all the time. That is the gospel. The gospel is you're worse off than you know. You're more loved than you've ever imagined. You've got a bigger family than you can ever dream. That's the gospel. Your life, I'm good. His life, he's good. And he lives in me. Last thing I'll say. You know, if, and I feel convicted, I thought about this, the Lord's led me to say it. If, if something gave me more joy than Christianity, I'd do that. I'd live that. Like, I love baseball. But if baseball gave me more joy, I, I couldn't play in Major League Ball at all. But if baseball gave me more joy than Christianity, I'd like try to work in MLB or, you know, I don't know, try to, I don't know, talk about games or broadcast games. Um, I love stories. Like, I love good books, good movies. If that gave me more joy than Christianity, then, I don't know, I'd try to write stories or, I don't know, make movies or something. I, mean, I love that. They don't. You know, I do what I do, and I want you to do what you do and live how you live, whether it's a doctor or an entrepreneur uh, or an artist, whatever it is, is that Christianity gives you the most joy of anything else. It's not a duty. It's not a baptism of John. It's a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's joy. He is good. His mercy endures forever. He has good for you till infinity, and the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That's why Easter is... Christianity is a future deal. Easter's new life. So I want you to, I want us to be real Christians, full of blood and life. Life by the Holy Spirit, saved by the blood of Jesus. And we have two baptisms right now on Easter, praise God. Two baptisms. It's going to celebrate. Um, I'd love to have many more. I don't say that as like a guilt thing. We need many more. I say that as truth. Some, you know, some, and I'll do this. Some need to be baptized again because you're living in a baptism of John and you don't know the power of the Holy Spirit because the heart's blocked off. But you can receive it. The good news is right now, today. You say, I'm going to stop trying to be good. I'm going to live like he is good. His mercy endures forever. Freed of pride. Freed of shame. Live in joy. Nothing will give you more joy than Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you how big you are.
Thank you for giving us eyes to see. Take things out that block the vision that you give of grace and the Holy Spirit. Let us see your power, your might. Bigger than this church. Bigger than the church. But you use the church and you use us. So thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.